Today I'm traveling to Pure South Dakota to visit our state capital. A lot of us are traveling to support Senate Bill 126. Senate Bill 126 is the bill that proposes South Dakota adopts the Lakota, Nakota, Dakota languages as the official indigenous language of South Dakota. I'm leaving very early this morning. I'm not sure what to expect and I look forward to being a part of this movement and I look forward to seeing many people there and I'm very excited. I was very fortunate to get a good parking space when I got to the Capitol building and as soon as I got inside I was escorted by a nice woman who just kind of assumed that I was there to support the Senate Bill 126 and as soon as I got into the building they were being moved into the room where their hearing was going to be held and uh, they just got started right away the, the Senate committee decided to move up the Senate Bill 126 and the person the senator that uh, brought this was Senator Troy Heiner Sichangu Oyate from Rosebud South Dakota Senator Troy Heiner District 26 from Mission um, Mr. Chair, I have an amendment that's been distributed. Okay. Let me dig it up here. Okay, go ahead and speak to the amendment, sir. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'll move uh, Amendment 126KA. Okay, we have a motion by Senator Kennedy, seconded by Senator Langer to move uh, Amendment 126KA. All those in favor of the motion will say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Okay, sir, you go on with your uh, uh, testimony on amended Senate Bill 126. Well, thank you, Mr. Chair. And, and so the members of the public uh, uh, know what the amendment, uh, if I could just read it, it's pretty brief. So on page one, line five of the printed bill, delete languages and insert language of the state is the language of the Ocheti Shakoi, the seven council fires, also known by treaty as the Great Sioux Nation, comprised of three dialects, Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota. Um, in working through this bill with Secretary Flute, uh, it was recommended that we, we make that change. It, it tightens this up because we don't have three different languages. We just have three dialects of, of the same language. So I, I appreciate the passage of that. Uh, you folks see me every day. And I know we have people who, who traveled a, a long ways to get here and would like to address our committee. So I'll stand down right now and answer any questions uh, that you may have at the end of the hearing. So today we are in Pierre for the committee hearing of SB 126, that's Senate Bill 126, which is to have Lakota, Dakota, Nakota collectively recognized as an official indigenous language within the state of South Dakota. When you gave your testimony to the Senate committee, how did that feel? Well, we had been uh, given some, some advanced pointers about how long we, sh we should speak, about making sure that nothing we said was redundant or overlapping, restating things which had been said earlier. So in preparation for actually coming to Pierre, um, 
some of us, myself included, had, had written out what we were going to say, rehearsed it, timed it to make sure that it was that it was short. Because initially they had said that we were going to have 20 minutes for everybody to give their testimony in support of the bill. And they actually ended up allowing us at least 45 minutes. Um, but we wanted to make sure that different ones of us covered different aspects of the bill and its benefits. But actually being up there and giving the testimony, it was... It was exciting. Um, I thought maybe I would be nervous, but. Um, Good morning, Mr. Chair and committee members. My name is Peter Hill. I live in Pine Ridge, and I'm here in support of SB 126. I work with the Lakota Immersion Child Care and Elementary School Program, which I founded in 2012 and which is now under Thunder Valley CDC. When I first moved to the reservation in 2001, I only knew two words in Lakota, tipi and how. You probably know those words as well from Hollywood movies. But I learned the language to fluency as an adult. Over the many years I taught high school on the reservation, I always told my students, if I can learn the language, so can you. And if I can see the value in keeping Lakota alive, and preserving it for future generations, you surely can as well. My life's work is Lakota language re revitalization, so it should go without saying that I support the bill and what it represents. And I know that a major portion of the testimony today would center around themes of preservation of heritage and cultural value. I know the importance of those themes and that many of you will be moved by such testimony and recognize its significance. But I would like to highlight a somewhat different line of argument for SB 126. We all know that Native communities within our state of South Dakota, whether on reservations or within towns and cities, suffer from elevated levels of poverty, substance abuse, dropout rates, teen pregnancy, homelessness, and so forth. And we all, I would hope, recognize the historical factors that have led to this modern day situation. Regardless, these statistics negatively affect quality of life across the state and they hurt South Dakota's reputation and status in national rankings. When our Native children underperform in state school systems, it keeps the state education stats lower than they would be otherwise. Native unemployment drives up the state's overall unemployment rate. The same can be said of rates of homelessness, incarceration, domestic violence, and various other statistical categories in which Native Americans are disproportionately represented. My fellow supporters of SB at 126 highlight the many positive outcomes of children learning their heritage language when they grow up. We ourselves have seen and can testify to children's improved self-esteem, self-image, self-confidence, and the like that comes from learning their own language and culture. But we also recognize that these can be hard to quantify. What is quantifiable, <clears throat> and what there is a tremendous amount of data out there to support, are secondary effects of improved school performance among Native children, lower dropout and higher graduation rates, higher rates of college matriculation, and improved life prospect as adults in a wide variety of ways. So in summary, do you want higher educational statistics for our state? Support Native language education. Do you want lower poverty rates overall? Support Native language education. Less crime on the streets? Support Native language education. Fewer homeless people in your communities, improved race relations in South Dakota, support native language education. 
And how do you support native language education? Supporting SB 126 is an excellent start. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Further proponent testimony. Further proponent testimony. Amanda um, I can't pick one high, but I'll pick a couple because there were some moments that were very powerful. You know, there were at least a couple of people who, you know, really showed emotion giving their testimony. There are some, some tears and some shaky voices, and those are very powerful. Um, Lakshi Brian Charging Cloud was up there with, with um, his Takoja Amos, who's in our program, and he sang a song. And everybody in the room stood up while he, he sang a prayer song. Many of the speakers <clears throat> many of the speakers spoke Lakota extensively or, or Dakota um, in the case of the people who were there from Yankton. And that was probably more Lakota and Dakota than, you know, have been spoken in, in that room for a, for a long time. Seeing the children testify, seeing the elders testify. And then when it came time for, when the testimonies were finished and it was time for people to just come up and say, they didn't have anything to add verbally, but they were there in support. Um, there is some people who are there for completely other things. You know, there's a guy from the Sierra Club. Representative Sam Mark Weber from the Sierra Club. And the Sierra Club asks you to support this bill. Thank you. There is a, a woman from a different advocacy group. Good morning, Mr. Chair, members of the committee. My name is Rebecca Turk. I'm the registered lobbyist for Dakota Rural Action. We'd also like to register our Me Too. Thanks. Okay, thank you. And they just happened to be there, and they came up clearly moved by what they'd heard and said, you know, we... We want to say me too, we want to add our voices to it, and, and just seeing the power of people's stories and hearing these stories, you know, it, and, and, and seeing the emotions that it brought out in people. I, I don't think the legislators were expecting to be that moved, honestly. Um, and I think that when they... When they finally went to the vote and they all voted unanimous, unanimously in favor, there there was a real sense that you know that there was really some emotion behind it. They, they they had been touched by what they'd heard, and you know that's that's what we that's what we came out to do. That's why we brought such a diverse cross section of people, and and I don't think there was anything that that was that was missed. You know, I, I think I think if we had been limited to 20 minutes and there had just been three or four people talking that, you know, maybe there would have been aspects overlooked. But I, I really think that everybody in saying their part and giving their testimony covered why this bill is important. Faith, I was curious, when you went to testify in front of the Senate committee today, was that because of any particular role, or did you just do this because you're an advocate for language? I did it because having been a, a, trying to pass the language on to my Takojas, 
it just frightens me to see how strong language is because like with my littlest Takoja, um, he's five and I'm with him all the time and he understands and he's starting to talk but everybody else around him speaks English so it's like it's a battle to it's almost like um, he becomes the translator like he takes on a burden so it's not fair for a child to do that and it would be so helpful if the adults around them would learn it would help him because he's only a little boy but that's one of the things that they say is that in some of the research that when they reach a certain age they stop enjoying it for themselves they're doing it for somebody else because most people around them don't understand so they either relinquish um, the desire or else they take on the burden of translating for them and that's a lot for a five-year-old right that is a lot for a five-year-old how do you support that you know what I mean? Because you want you want our children to consciously want to learn the language, as opposed to you know like because I hated English, I hated mathematics, I had a hard time understanding it, and so going to school for me is very difficult. But how do you like translate that into something so that our children are? I know it's a big question. I know it's an enormous question, but I would like to get your thoughts on this because how do you support language in that way? I think the, there's different paths to do that. Uh, the grandmother path probably is the easiest because you have um, a lot of power as a grandmother in a loving way. So it's easy to talk in Indian to your Takojas because they can recognize the belovedness of the language. So they can tell by your intonation and whether it's important, urgent, loving in trouble or acting up or something it's almost like the language translates that so I see how important it is and it's something that my son said he said all these people that are criticizing about how each other should do the language he said every one of those fluent speakers should be teaching their grandkids and I think that's a big key is if you could just talk every day like when I go to the store or when he gets in the car as soon as he gets in the car we're talking and then sometime he'll, uh, and I'm, he tries to get me to say it in English. Like when I say, um, he says, Kushi, Dokia. That means, where are we going? Where are we going? Dokia. And I said, Tini Tawa. And he said, that means what? I said, Tini Tawa. Tini Tawa. That means my house? Huh. Tini Tawa. Say it. So it's just a constant whatever. And then he, he gets it. But so he'll... Um, He's at a different kind of space where you can tell he understands um, it from a different worldview. So then a second language speaker who is has a sense of fear, so he doesn't he's not afraid of it. And a lot of our people, because they've been injured by speakers with the shame, shaming them that, oh, you said it wrong or that I didn't learn it that way. Or they told me this, and that is total a waste of time. And I always say, well, there's broken English, so there could be broken Indian. You know, you could make all kinds of mistakes. It don't matter. And then you're learning. If you've never had the language, you're learning it at a baby age. So you're a toddler in the language. So I would say the best way is just to, I think they call it total physical response, is just to talk it and then... And I'm doing that with my son, trying to immerse him so he will do that for 
Hakoja. But again, it's strong for him because the next speaker next to him may not be confident to answer him. So you have to create almost a circle of people who will be dialoguing in unison at the same time. Because it just, and one of the times I saw one of my Japoshis, she said, you know what your Takoja said? And she said, I said, what? She said, you always tell us to, you know, talk with him so he'll hear other people. So she said, Takoja, and he said, you're not Grandma Faye. <laughs> so he thought it was our language. <laughs> he said, that's my grandma's language. <laughs> Who would ever have thought that? Because we're the only ones that speak it all the time. I mean, most of the time, except when my son's around. So who had ever thought? She said, he told me that wasn't my language. <laughs> so who knows what kind of perceptions they create when... And then when you think about it, if he's the only one speaking and everybody else is silent or feeling fearful or speaking English, just think what goes through their heads as little people. So they need that support. So like with your kids, they're little yet. So even if you learned... 15 or 20 things around the house. Like, you know, when are you steam up? You know, time to go to bed. When I woke up. So then you get the rhythm of the language. And then if you study it from the view of linguists, and that's why a lot of white people can steal our language, they learn the makeup and the structure of the language. So, like, the way our language is constructed, it's uh, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. So, like, wapaha. So it comes, so you don't have to worry about pronouncing this big giant word just break it up into twos wapaha ewaktunja see it's two 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 so if you look at it like that then you get the rhythm of the language you don't have to look at it as a like a big word that looks scary but that really helps to look at and I tried to share with that committee the word wo'ope which is laws and principles and that has to be as sharp as the knife. And that guy was trying to make it dull, wasn't he? He was trying to make it dull. That was a perfect example of the English language. He was trying to tweak it. <laughs> what do you think happens next now? I mean, how once this is passed, what happens next? I mean, how do you think this supports on a state level and then even on a tribal level? How do you think this, this bill would support those? I think there needs to be a set-aside for language programs. And I also need to, um, somehow there has to be some decolonizing or deconstructing what it means to speak the language. Because I think because it was an act of war when they took our language, they outlawed it, there's still their intergenerational trauma of saying that if we give their language back, what will happen? You know, will I not understand? And when I start talk, when I started out talking Indian to them this morning, they all kind of like got insecure. You know, they all kind of like looked at each other, and it was just like little kids. I like what you said. You said, "Now you're in my seat." When I was five years old. I just wanted to first of all uh, allow you to hear the beauty of our language, and I also wanted you to understand how it felt when I was five years old and I went to a country school in White Swan number four and I didn't speak English. 
And so I was in your spot there, listening to the teacher telling me that I needed to do all of these things. Yeah, you're five years old and you don't know what I'm saying to you, but you have to do it because the classroom requires you to do it. But luckily I had a good teacher and she was amazing. But um, yeah, she w just think if I didn't have a good teacher. So I lucked out by the grace of Creator. But I think funding needs to be a part of the picture uh, on the state level. And somehow, maybe some learning, because that, like that legislator's question, he was saying it from a place of unsafety. And so that unsafety has to be addressed to learn. Now it's, we can, we can learn these, these words. And I noticed that, like at my Takoja's daycare, I thought, I'm just going to go to his daycare, even though there's washichas there. And those kids, it, it helps him feel better when those washicha kids are learning, too. Okay, welcome. Once you're seated, if you tell us, tell us who you are, and you have the floor to, to speak. But in today's world, we need to um, we need to protect and take care of our language to maintain our language. So um, I am here to in support of this Bill 126. Karen, I was curious, how did it feel speaking with Amos in front of the Senate committee? Well, sitting with Amos, I feel empowered because our our language must continue. Um, Personally, I'm glad it came to this because we, our language, Lakota language, has been official all this time. It's the one we use, and that's we are known by our language. And um, our whole existence, we have our language sustained us. So going through this, it puts teeth <laughs> into into this, you know, to to declare it that it's official, official in the state of South Dakota. So that's uh, that's um, great victory <laughs> in itself. But um, I, I felt empowered by uh, Amos because I believe that by speaking Lakota to him all the time, growing up, I was spoken to in Lakota. I grew up in um, an all Lakota environment. So I wanted the same thing for my grandchildren, and I spoke to them. Amos caught on, 
and he stayed with it. And that just made me happy. And uh, that's just pure, passing our, our, the spirit of our language along. So now he has it, it maybe in the future, and now he's sharing that spirit with his classmates. You know, he's mentoring his classmates and stuff. So it's there. It's alive. Our language is alive. What did it feel like to see your boy in front of the state senate committee? Oh my goodness. Um, it was really emotional. My name is Blue Don Little. My parents are Ernie Little and Elizabeth Bickerl. I have two sons, um, Amos and Braylon. What did that, when the senate committee voted unanimously, how did that make you feel? I was, I didn't know how to feel for like a couple of seconds. It was just kind of like a a pause and then um, I kept thinking to myself like this is this is our first step and and when they when everybody agreed and voted unanimously then it was like a sigh of relief for for that first step and knowing and knowing that we we have um, those alliances are those allies to help us um, Brian can you uh Tell me what it was like to speak to the Senate Committee for South Dakota. It made me uh, feel really, um, I got emotional. So I really felt uh, good after what happened there. We had some really good testimonies. Uh, the bill passed today. What I said with my uh, grandson Amos was that uh, we always uh, say that uh, Lakota language is us. And uh, the Lakota language is also uh, Wakan. Uh, as Lakota people, we always uh, tell Wichoyak uh, stories. I heard this in uh, Cherry Creek by an elder that was from Rocky Ford. He told uh, that we had an immersion, and that was back in uh, 2000. He told us that, uh, he told the immersion students that uh, this language came from the Pteoyate, the Buffalo Nation. And at one time, everybody was in that wind cave. There was nobody uh, in this world that speak Lakota. But one day, this Lakota came out of that Washon, that, that wind cave. When they came out, after they came out, uh, one of the Buffalo Nation, they were concerned because they didn't have a language. So they decided to, one of them went up there, told the Lakota people that from now on, he said, I give you, you will have this language. You will have our language. And he told them that I, I'll give you my khachan, the body. He said, with my body, you will live. You eat it and you make your uh, blankets, your teepee, things like for survival. So this Lakota language came from the Pteoyate. So, and we, we say that it's Wakhan, and we say that it is us. What we did today, it, it just makes us stronger, and that our children will keep the Lakota language alive, because it is them. That's, that little story, I always remember that. What did it feel like whenever you were there with your grandson? What did that mean to you? I really, I'm really proud of him, and... Uh, that and not just him, but the other ones too that were there today, that all the children, all the Lakota children, 
But when Amos talks like Chota, uh, his Unchi here, Karen, every time he comes into that house, they just speak like Chota. So it makes me really uh, feel good, and uh, also uh, I get emotional when I hear him just sit there and talk like Chota. And uh, uh, I'm really glad and happy that he's going to carry on this Lakota language for many, many more years. But then he knows the days coming, the months or the years coming, it is up to us to keep, keep this Lakota language strong. So I'm really happy for what is going on. I have Nikina Mills, Pine Ridge Village District Representative. Are you here, I mean, officially as a council person, or are you here because you just support this? I, I mean, explain your position a little bit more, please. Yep, so, so I am here as uh, officially from, from the Oglala Sioux Tribe today to support this bill. Um, but I'm also here as a parent to, of uh, my son being in the language, my spouse teaching the language. So, so yes, so I am, I'm here in all different hats. <laughs> Whenever you testified, did you see this as like one of those things that, do you feel like it was bigger than what you were doing? You know what I mean? Like this is, what if this becomes something so monumental and all of a sudden it was because of part of you and a group of others? Um, I feel like, I mean, this is a huge step in the right direction for um, all, of, all the tribes in South Dakota um, for us to be able to recognize our languages, um, in turn our culture and our identity. Um, it'll definitely, it'll, it's a definitely a, a move in the right direction. And in my testimony, it was just, it was, I, I even got emotional. It was, it was such an um, intense feeling to share, you know, like my grandparents and great, great grandparents, they never learned Lakota. And here I am learning a little. Um, and then my son knows more than me. So that kind of impact just, just touched my heart. And, and it, it's just such an awesome feeling to be able to, to be supportive of this and who knows like I don't want grandkids for like another 20 some years but but to think that like now my kid has it and then it's gonna it's gonna start a whole nother movement that, that I hope to live to see. How did it feel watching all the testimonials today at the uh, state capitol? Uh, this is Tatewi Means and I am the executive director at Thunder Valley Community Development Corporation. Well first it was really emotional um, I think it was sort of unexpected and we heard a lot of people reference that, that it was surprisingly emotional. And I think what that is indicative of is um, having it recognized in this way. And yes, it's from a state government and non-Indigenous and so on and so forth, but it's healing because it's a recognition of uh, who we are as Indigenous people, as Lakota people, and um, that history, that traumatic history that... Um, envelopes our language and the loss of our language and so I think that it, it is the start of a healing process especially in this state um, having that formal recognition um, because it opens the door for conversation I can guarantee you going forward from this day there are a lot of conversations happening around this state and others um, to hear that uh, it's happening in South Dakota first of all and um, inevitably when you talk about why there's a need for 
a recognition of indigenous languages, then you talk about the history, which is often left out of school systems and curriculums. And so it's a really good educational piece and conversation starter as well. So do you really think there are other states that are looking at South Dakota right now and other tribes considering this move? Absolutely. I think that Hawaii and Alaska have, have really um, started the path for this and opened some doors and opened a lot of eyes on what is possible. Um, but for South Dakota to be the first of the contiguous United States to do something like this, um, it does mean a lot. And so I certainly hope that other states, especially with large indigenous populations in our surrounding states, Montana, North Dakota, Nebraska, you know, all of those in our original area, um, it would be amazing to see that grow. Being the director of Thunder Valley Community Development Corporation, knowing that it's one of the initiatives that they're pushing, how does that feel? And being represented here at the Capitol. Well, I'm just, I felt really humbled and really proud. Um, proud of uh, all of the representation by everybody there. Um, Thunder Valley or not, right? It was, we saw a collection of, you know, our elders from um, the Ihanktawa, the Yankton Faith um, Spotted Eagle was there, right? Spotted, Faith Spotted Eagle was there. And um, like she, Brian, Charging Cloud, you know, spoke. And, and then our youngest relatives were there. And um, just an immense amount of pride. And, you know, it. this is something when I came on board at Thunder Valley in July that our language initiative had talked about, that they were learning a lot from Hawaii and what they've done with ind their indigenous languages. And this is something they had hope to see happen here uh, and so hearing that and being responsive to that of what's happening at Thunder Valley um, you know that's my role as the executive director to take those ideas and visions of our, our staff and our employees and and run with them and so just happy that there were receptive ears at all levels and in our communities and I mean the the only other part of this is I hope that we do have a lot of conversations back home uh, about this with our elders and speakers and, and what this means and what it could mean for our, our communities and our, our young ones especially. Um, because this can open the door for um, the normalization of our language, right? As, as When you go to Hawaii, you know, you see the street signs in the Hawaii, native Hawaiian languages and you uh, go into a courtroom and you see the native Hawaiian, Hawaiian languages and that just helps with the normalization, right? And that is reaffirming to our identity. When we're driving down the road and we see our language, um, I know like Black Hills Federal Credit Union does ads or commercials in Lakota. And just seeing that too, it's so um, validating that we are still here, we speak our language, we have our, we're fighting to save our language. And I think having those conversations in our community is important because I know there are people that have hesitancy and skepticism anytime the state's involved. And that's natural and it should be that way. Um, but it's a good opportunity for healthy, positive conversation. And it's such a proactive move. This is one thing that, I mean, we're not, we're not back in history 30, 40 years ago trying to say that our language needs to be a part of everyday life. This is a move so that whenever our children go to college, that if they ever want to take a, a foreign language course or whatever and it could be English you know it's it's one of those situations where it's we don't exactly can foresee all the implications that this bill is going to bring to the table but from just from your perspective and on all the roles that you've had 
how 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 can you see like how this is a more of an impact for our children and our grandchildren? I mean, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing is that it can strengthen our sovereignty insofar as um, you know making that push and that demand on the state government for having standardized testing in Lakota language, right? So we have emergent schools, we have young ones that will be fluent, and having this type of statute in the state in state law having it codified only goes to bolster those types of uh, requests from the state and so to me that's that's exercising our sovereignty that's saying this is our language this is how we want our kids to be tested you know pushing back on those standardized tests which don't serve our our youth well anyway right so we always have issues with them not being culturally competent and so on and so forth this is our chance to really exercise our sovereignty and say this is how we want our kids tested this is the language we want our kids tested in i mean so that's just one tangible example of how what this could lead to right if if we're coordinated and organized as a people to say this is how we want to exercise our sovereignty with this how do you feel about it now after the Senate committee heard all the testimonials, how do you feel now as it goes forward into the Senate and then into the House? Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm hopeful, but I'm cautious as well. Um, I think that it's going to take continual support, continual um, communication from the communities, right? From supporters all across South Dakota, from every part of South Dakota, and that's indigenous and non-indigenous to say this, we support this bill. Um, so I think it's continued that grassroots effort. Um, and anytime something's political or politicized, it makes me a little nervous because you never know, right? That's the nature of politics. And so I just think that as we always do, just focusing a lot on prayer and what's meant to be and what will be good for our people will will come about in the end. Um, and I really believe that. And I think that there's a lot. There's going to be hesitancy anytime government's involved, no matter what level, about the money side of it, right, the financial side. Um, and I think that's where the hesitancy is in a lot of cases. And so I think we need to be proactive on offering solutions to that too, right? And so figuring out what role the federal government has in this um, and and also tribal nations, right? And so um, really making it a collaborative, multi-jurisdictional uh, issue. Peter, can you explain the Senate Bill 126 and its process and where it's at now? I will do my best. To my The best of my understanding is that now it goes to the floor of the Senate where, where it you know, it's got it's got a high likelihood because it was passed unanimously in committee. Then it goes to the House side, and we'll probably have to do this again to get people to turn out for for the House committee hearing. Um, it'll go to the floor of the House for the vote, and then it needs to go to the governor's desk to be signed. Um, so, in the immediate future, what people really need to do on behalf of the bill is to continue to contact legislators, continue to send emails. Um, If you've already done it, do it again. And this time it's not only to the the nine committee members, but it's to the entire South Dakota State Senate who who need to hear why people are in support of this bill. So how do you feel now in retrospect? I, I am so gratified to have been part of something so powerful. And, you know, we, we've been talking about the possibility of such a bill long before Senator Heinert introduced it. Um, last summer, we were 
you know, doing some petition drives and and some of our staff had really taken this on as, as, a, as a project. And to be here and to actually see it in action, I, I knew it would be very exciting. Um, but just to actually be here to, to see to, to, to see the lobby outside of the committee rooms just filled with, you know, people from Pine Ridge and elsewhere, kids from our program, Lakota teachers, um, indigenous language uh, activists, you know, and, and to, to have them filling up the committee room and, and testifying on behalf of it, it was ev even more than I had expected. Okay, further comments on the motion before us? Seeing none, we, we do have a, a due pass motion made by Senator Greenfield, seconded by Senator Youngberg for a due pass on Senate Bill 126 as amended. Those in favor of the motion will say aye. Those opposed will say nay. Madam Secretary, please call the roll. Senator Bolin? Aye. Greenfield? Aye. Heiner? Aye. Kennedy? Aye. Langer? Aye. Nostro? Aye. Youngberg? Aye. Klum? Aye. Ewing. Aye. Unanimous. Okay, we do have a unanimous due pass motion on Senate Bill 126 as amended. I want to thank everyone for their, their uh, kind time. <laughs>